Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman. It's another Steelers preview podcast. We're still in the wake of the NFL draft. Joining me as always, Dave Schofield and Brian Davis. Dave, what's up? Is it Thursday? Is it? I yeah, mean, man. I feel it like is. I should still be watching the TV, waiting for the next selection. I'm, uh, I'm still trying to get this all figured out how to how, how to live life post 2023 NFL draft. It's a love hate relationship. Like I love it, <laughs> but I freaking hate that weekend. Gosh, it's just so much crap to do, and it's hectic. Did Brian Davis? What's up, Brian? I feel like a department store Santa, like Artie Lang and Elf, just like a really tired after the fact. But I am still loving life because this is one of the most fun times I've ever had during an NFL draft because I feel like I know more about every other team as well because of everything that we've been doing with the Fans First Sports Network, everything we've been doing here on Steel Curtain Network. I felt like I still knew guys, which was shocking in the second and third round. I knew these guys that were getting drafted because I'm having conversations with guys like Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar and KT Smith and Shannon White and all the time. And now I know more about these prospects. So I've had so much fun. And I've got to tell you, the countdown has begun. I know yeah. today's May 4th. I, I get it. Today is Star Wars Day. Today is James Harrison's birthday. But it is 51 weeks till the 2024 NFL Draft. The Steelers, hopefully, will be on the clock late. He had to bring up the fourth thing. James yes. Harrison's birthday. Happy birthday to James Harrison. I still will say I think his interception return for a touchdown in Super Bowl 43 was the greatest play in Super Bowl history. And yes, I think that was greater than the Santonio Holmes catch. But everyone has their favorite. I get it. It's I'm not going to you know, sides here, but I just think that was the better play. It, it was, it took points off the board. You can, you can classify them differently. Sure. Yeah. Santonio Holmes catches the greatest Super Bowl winning play in history. Yeah. I'd say that. I'd say that. That Brian. was the big, that was a huge swing that, I mean, that changed everything momentum going to the locker room, everything. Yeah. That is my favorite play too, because of the story behind it. There's not a story behind Santonio Holmes catching that ball in the end zone. Ben to 10. There's a story from Friday at practice where Tomlin wasn't happy. And for those of you who think that he doesn't coach, yeah, he was coaching. You know, he's thinking you guys are getting a little too lazy on those returns and we're going to practice this. We're going to work it out. And just the fact that James has the story of like, hey, I was supposed to rush and I just dropped back. And Kurt Warner has the story about like, oh my gosh, I mean, he fooled me. He got me. Yeah. So that, that's what makes that play amazing. Those damn cower players, Tomlin's coaching cowers players. Anyways, um, <laughs> how many times did you watch that today, Jeff? Oh, it was like a continuous loop. Like I shared the video on Twitter. <laughs> I shared it on Twitter, just like watching it again. It's hard. It's hard to believe that was that was John Madden's last game he ever called with Super Bowl forty three. A little wow. bit of tidbit of information, and I know Brian knows this. We'll see if Dave does. Who was the halftime act waiting to go on stage when James Harrison rumbled and stumbled into the end zone? Was it was that the the that wasn't the Rolling Stones year, was it? No, that was XL. That was super. That, that was the other Steelers. Right. Yeah. yeah, okay. Um 
that was honestly that was my first Super Bowl of being a, a father, and I was trying to get my less than a year old child to go to sleep so I could watch the second half. I have no idea it was the Super Bowl halftime show. It was the boss. It, it, it was, was the boss. It, it oh, was a good one. Okay, the boss yeah, was good. And yeah. one of my favorites from Adam Sandler. I love the the Hanukkah song, and um, he's not Jewish, but my mom thinks he is. Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> If you want a good read, so I love Rick Riley because he's a golf guy and he's written oh, a lot Rick's of golf great. books that I love. And he was a Sports Illustrated and he's a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. And he actually was on the field. He actually coerced his editor into letting him go and be one of the crowd members that run onto the field. He wrote an article after the game about how he was so mad he missed the James Harrison interception pick six because he was in the tunnel, couldn't see a thing, only heard people erupting. He goes out on the field thinking, I'm just going to hear a good show. He can't even hear the music because all the speakers are pointing out to the crowd. He doesn't even get to hear Bruce Springsteen. And he said, what a waste of time. <laughs> he didn't get anything. But so, I need to share this real good, Brian. Good, Dave. So I was going to say the one thing that I keep noting every time I watch that, that play is there was a flag early right yeah. after the interception. And a lot of times people forget about that. So in the moment I'm sitting there thinking, is this coming back? Is this coming back? And then I'm like, is he going to make it to the end zone? If he comes up one foot short, they would, they would have got it. They would have got an untimed down. So that's, well, that, was, that, that would have changed. Everything. It was an, I think it was an illegal it was one of those things formation, maybe. No, no, it was it was post, it was after the um it, it was after the interception. I think it was someone but someone ran out of picking up a blocker or something, or yeah. I, it, it was something that the offense did there that they're not that they're not allowed to do once they become the defense, and right. a lot of times they don't even realize it. Um, you know, like like you're not allowed to tackle a blocker. It was something weird like that. I, I can't yeah, remember I, what it I was. always I thought it was like that. I thought it was said one of the Cardinals ran out of bounds intentionally trying that to might have been it. bring to it get down, around people. You can't, yeah. you can't do that. You can't, you have to stay in bounds anyways, but that was early in the return that that flag was out. It was yeah, early. So maybe that wasn't it. I don't know. Yeah. Someone asked me about that on Twitter. They said, there's a flag. It says on the bottom flag, you know, it goes yellow on the screen. Like what was the call? Mm -hmm. And I, I took a guess and said, I'm not hundred percent. I'll see if I can find it. Brian. <laughs> One more favorite thing from that. Not a lot of people know about this, but if you watch closely, he's basically flagging off, you know, just telling Deshae Townsend to go Get away. Like, <laughs> he wanted to give her the ball. Literally, he's like, no way. <laughs> Which is funny because you think he would have because Deshae Townsend was a heck of a lot faster and probably would have made it less exciting. But at the same time, it's kind of funny in and of itself. But uh, I Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got it. You it was a... It was a 15-yard face mask by Elton Brown. Wow. Is what that was. That's a good trivia question. There you go. That's a deep track. Yeah. Elton so Brown he was a face mask. Yeah. Hmm. It was a face mask. What's even better if you can go back and, and find a replay to see who he who, who he grabbed who by the he face, actually mask. face mask. He's yeah. also the love child of Elton John and James Brown. <laughs> You knew something like that was coming. That was like Ulysses <laughs> Gilbert, remember? Ulysses Gilbert. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the president in the that's a that's a deep track there for yeah. you. <laughs> uh. All right. I do have to tell you all this before we get started. And I know it's almost 10 minutes in, but this is sometimes just what we do on We're talking Steelers. Team. That's sort of. Uh, yeah. So 
You'll find you, Super Bowl 43. No, what I'm about to talk Steelers. about is what okay. I'm about to talk about is not Steelers related. Oh, okay. That, that's you fine. all brought it up. So I have to so today is May the 4th, and I'm inundated with people like that are Star Wars fans, which hey, I don't that's fine. So I just found it funny today. I put on Twitter a uh, little known fact about Jeff. I've never seen a Star Wars movie, but I have seen Spaceballs. I use a Spaceballs gif. GIF, sorry. Nonetheless, let me just say that that led to me being quoted in an article that was published in the Washington Post today. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) So after I put that tweet out, I actually got contacted by a writer from the Washington Post who probably was searching Twitter for tweets that similar verbiage that I used. And he said, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? It can just be through direct message, and that's fine. I said, sure. Answered all his questions. I said, if you publish this, can I please get a link? He sent me link. Is here you go. And it, there it is. It, all these people that have never seen Star Wars, he kind of did the same thing. And then he goes, 40-year-old Jeff Hartman, who... <laughs> so I just said it to my family. said, I made it big. I made it big. I'm in the Washington Post. Not for my Steelers coverage, for... Me never seeing a Star Wars movie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Wait till we tell him that Dave's never seen Die Hard. Yeah, I did mention Die Hard in my quote. I said I grew up watching comedies and Die Hard with my dad. So there you go. I made the Washington Post. There you go. All right, let's get this show on the road. Uh, we're talking about the Steelers rookie class, obviously. I do want to tell everyone to check out my Let's Ride podcast on Friday morning on the audio only side, wherever you get your podcast or Steel Curtain Network. Why? Got some inside info that I'm sharing about the draft room, the war room, what the Steelers were thinking, actual inside information. That's right. You have to check it out. And uh, But seriously, uh, this rookie class, Dave, I want to throw it over to you first because you talked about this on your Steelers Stat Geek podcast on Thursday morning. And it's all about kind of expectations and setting those expectations from a logical standpoint. And you look back at the 1974 draft class, arguably, I don't even think it's arguable, there have been drafts that have three Hall of Famers. This had four. Uh, 1974, phenomenal class. Dave, why don't you go ahead and take it from there, and we'll get started. Yeah, well, it's not just the Steelers' best draft class ever. It's the best draft class of any NFL franchise ever. It just is. I'm just – Well, there was a Cowboys draft, I think, that had three. It was, but it wasn't cares? four. But it wasn't <laughs> yeah. four. But I mean, so there's they, some that they'll argue, yeah. but and the four in one class. Four plus an undrafted free agent. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, what was I supposed to say? <laughs> you didn't even Setting pose a expectations. question. Just, yeah. Well, if you look at that 1974 class, how many, how many players started their rookie season? Not even from the first game, although one it was from the first game. How many of all those players were starters? Started half the games in seventy in, in seventy four. So how many started the first game? Is what you're asking? No, how many started half the well, games half in nineteen seventy four? How many of their rookies? One. It was one. It was only rookie of the year Jack Lambert yeah. who started all fourteen. That's it. That's all. They did not start games. They did not get going. Stallworth started three. Swan started two. Jimmy Allen started one. Donnie Shell started one. And Mike Webster started one. That's it. That's all. Not only that, they picked 21 players in that draft. And 11 of them never played in the NFL. Could you imagine if that was like what draft coverage is like now? 21 players? 
Dave yeah. would be hoarse by the end of the draft. <laughs> yeah. well, I would be dead from exhaustion. Brian would be dead. 14 of those 21 fall under the numbers that, that, that they now have. Like there was 259 picks in this year's draft. So it was, should have been 260. <laughs> Dolphins. Okay. There was the 14 of those picks were under those numbers. Right. So you could say, okay, well, seven more players were basically like undrafted free agents. But yeah, they just, I mean, like I said, 11 of them didn't even play in the NFL ever. And this was the best draft class ever. And the thing was, so so whether or not how many of them panned out, because honestly, you want quality over quantity when you go there. You've got a, qu- a qu- quantity of quality in that draft. When you're talking four Hall of Famers plus an undrafted free agent that's a Hall of Famer, that's that's just crazy numbers. But they didn't start as rookies. I, what, what was it? I think I think Lynn Swan had, had 11 catches as a rookie. For for two hundred some yards and two touchdowns, you know I, I I broke this all down on StatGeek. All these all these players they didn't get going for several years. Mike Webster played one game his first season. Well, no, he appeared in games. He started one game his first season, one game his second season, and wasn't the starter until his third year. If, if you had, if anyone listening to this, and if you listen to our audio only podcast, you've heard Jim Wexel's Steel City Insider podcast on our network. Jim's book on the clock is phenomenal. And he talks about the 74 class, but he does it in a way that's not covered in other books. And when he was on my let's ride podcast, he said that was the biggest challenge was to try to find stories that hadn't been told because that's probably like Dave said, the best draft class of all time. So clearly there's going to be a ton of articles and books and everything. It talk about luck. Talk about luck. (laughs) They had all these first round grades on these guys. Chuck Knoll wanted John Stallworth in the first round and had to be convinced that he'll be there. Just let know. Don't take him in the first round. He'll be there. So they take Lynn Swan. He wants him in the second round. No, tell him you. He'll be there. So they take Jack Lambert in the second, and then he gets it. I think he was the third-round pick that year. No, he was their third pick. They didn't have a third-round pick. They had oh, two so round what picks. draft, what round was he in? He was round four. He was pick okay. number 82. Yes. And then even the small center out of Wisconsin, like they ever, he, they, they wanted him sooner. Like now they'll be there. They'll be there. You got to get lucky sometimes. And they got lucky in a big way. Brian, what do you think? Well, a couple of things. First of all, a lot of people don't understand. Jimmy Allen was pretty good in that draft. He was, I think the third Steeler pick that year. He was a cornerback. He had fourth. a decent career. Fourth. He was the fourth yeah. player. He was, he was, like, he was after Stallworth. He was the second fourth round pick. Jimmy Only because Allen, I did all this for the podcast this morning than I do. Yeah. yeah, not bad at all. But we talk about grades. We talk about immediate reaction. A lot of people were going after the Detroit Lions. You know, Kevin Smith mentioned they had one of the most interesting drafts. Look, I don't have a problem with what the Detroit Lions did because they picked in the uh, they picked in the mold of their their head coach, and they knew exactly where they wanted to go. Back in 1974, they were picking for uh, they had a lot of help from Bill Nunn. He helped engineer that entire thing. And that draft happened on January 29th, 1974, the very next day in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. This was the quote, and I love this. I've read this so many times. The Steelers seem to have come out of the first five rounds of the draft, appreciably strengthened at wide receiver, but nowhere else. They didn't get a tight end, and the ones remaining are more suspect than prospect. They didn't get a punter, although none of the nation's best collegiate punters went in the first five rounds. They didn't get an offensive tackle who might have shored up what could well become a weakness. What they did get was Swan, who seems to be a sure pop to help, 
Lambert, who figures to be the number five linebacker, if he pans out, and three question marks. Yes, they said he was the number number five linebacker, and he's and he's one of three Steelers ever to win defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. Well, in Wexel's book, they tell this phenomenal story where they go to see Lambert in college and they're asking him to run drills and the field was a mess because of the rain. And so they're doing it in the parking lot and he is diving on these sin in this cinder laden parking lot. And he's getting up bloodied legs are bloodied. He's picking cinders out of his legs and he's telling the scouts, keep it coming, keep it coming. Like you should know by then that guy's different. Like he's just yeah. built different in that regard. But this all correlates to what we're talking to about today. And that is about the 2023 draft class. Everyone gets excited. Everyone thinks that these rookies are going to come in on day one and not just play, but play meaningful snaps and have a significant role in the team. That's all great. And I think that in before we go into this class and talk specifics, I want to ask you all, do you think that the past few draft classes dating back to 2020 have kind of set up the fan base for that? When you think about some of the roles that these players have had, it hasn't been just one player out of a draft class that has had a significant role. I mean, you think back to Chase Claypool. I know he wasn't a first-round pick, but he had a significant role. You go to 2021, you're thinking about, obviously, Najee Harris, Pat Frymuth. They had significant roles, Najee Harris being a starter almost from day one. You go back to Kenny Pickett in 2022. Dave, do you think that recent history has fans thinking a little bit different than going all the way back to 74, where it took a couple years till they realized what they had? Yeah, but I, I think that's what it is. Oh, in today's NFL, with with the, the four-year contract and the fifth-year option for the first-round pick and free agency changes everything, that's why you can't even begin to compare with 74. I mean, you're right. That's You kind of had the players until you didn't want them anymore. So I also understand that, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that the players are ready to be contributors because uh, uh, when the Steelers call on their rookies more, it's usually not that they're having a great season. That's yeah. Or the salary gap dips, <clears throat> Kendrick green. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Brian, what do you think about recent history dictating? What could the fan base expectation be for these rookies? You know, that's the thing because there's things that you guess and things that, you know, and expectations are really tough for this because we have all these scouting reports. And the reason that there's bust in the first round is because everybody believed in this guy, but he didn't work out. So, you know, I, I've talked about guys that would have been picked. Devin Bush was going to get picked if they don't buy another team at 10, if they don't move up. He just did not work out. And there were some circumstances that, that didn't that uh, helped him not work out. But, you know, there's some guys that seem like they are going to be, it could be Porter, it could be Broderick Jones, that they are going to be superstars for this team and something happens that they don't work out whatsoever. And then, excuse me. Um, <laughs> your wiener's out again. <laughs> and, uh, and I was trying to do that. I was trying to do that without her head coming on the screen. I do apologize. Very unprofessional. Um, He's talking about a dog for they were listening yes. in the audience. <laughs> Just said it's even that makes it even worse. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, she's uh you know what? We, we can't tease the fans here. Here. There's, there's my little buddy. 
this is Luna, my little buddy. Oh and she, God. when I do my shows, she wants to hang out and sleep up here. But my daughter just let her in. And I was like, gosh, I, now she's going to claw at me. And I'm going to try to say something poignant. And now sounds stupid because I'm worrying about am I 12-pound wiener. So <laughs> with that being said, yes, that's my crutch because I've got to get out of this somehow. But a Broderick Jones, we think he's going to hit. But he very well might not. Darnell Washington, you know, everybody loves him. He became the it guy. Then he fell a little bit because of some rumors out there. And but everyone thinks this guy's going to be a beast. He's going to be amazing. He's six eight. What if he doesn't? Hit? We don't know. A Nate Herbig that not everybody's as excited about, but there's national guys that are. There's guys here that are very excited about him, but you just don't know how he's going to translate. Just like that Jack Lambert pick, being uh, the fifth best linebacker. He might be something that we don't know he is. So it's really hard with expectations because expectations on paper seem like they're they're perfect. Seem like we know where they are right now. But we don't know until they get on that playing field and they uh, they get through disasters. Like in, like they uh, they heal from an injury. Like they uh, they come away unscathed. So many things like that. Did I say Nate or Nick? I, just you know what? I'm gonna. <laughs> you said gonna Nate. You we knew it was Nick. Is it? Okay? Yeah. I, look. Yes, I met Nick. Here's the thing. I'm gonna do it again and again. They're both with ends. I, yes. I can't figure it out. And they have the same last name. What am I going to do? Nasty so, boys. The nasty the, boys. The nasty boys. <laughs> Sags and knobs. There you go. Uh, so anyways, yeah. The expectations are that this is going to be a good rookie class. And because of the last couple of years, we've had some guys that needed to contribute right away. Why? Because this is a much different NFL. There are vacancies that we didn't have back in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s because a Tyreek Hill could come up and say, hey, I want out. And two days later, he's on another team and you didn't expect to have that vacancy. Everything changes now. This is so much more of a quick turnover league. So you're going to have to have rookies step up quicker. But where the Steelers are lucky here and blessed, they were not desperate going in. So I talked to Kevin Smith about that. That's going to be on our show tomorrow when we do superlatives of the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers draft class. So we're not doing something everybody else is doing, but we're looking at it and just saying, yeah, it's they, they didn't have to. No one has to come in and start right away. If they do, it's gravy at this point. All right, it's a great segue. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back out of this break, we are going to be talking all about expectations. We'll kind of set a floor and a ceiling and where we think they'll fit in between during the season. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back, Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Welcome back. We're talking expectations for this rookie class. And this is something that, you know, it's easy to say right now. 
we haven't, there's been no rookie mini camp. That's going to be next week, the 12th to the 14th. They've announced that officially today, Thursday. Uh, and we haven't seen anything. We haven't seen them even in Steelers gear yet. So this is the really early expectations, but this is kind of also us keeping our fingers on the pulse of the fan base and kind of then like, okay, what are people expecting? So let's start top down first round pick. Broderick Jones, offensive tackle out of Georgia. Dave, if you were to say like the best case scenario, or we can call it the ceiling, whatever y'all want to do in terms of verbiage, what would be what would be that top end in terms of expectations for Broderick Jones in 2023? Well, the top end for 2023. Yes, just this year. Is that he's so good that they can't that they that they just can't deny putting him out on the field. Yeah. It's not that someone else gets hurt. It's not that someone else just isn't doing very, very well. Cause I know some people Kendrick are really Green. down. Sorry. Yeah. And in other words, <laughs> I said that about Kendrick. You Green. did. I you ago, I'm like, I want him to win the job. I don't want him to get it by default. And I already think, because you know, the Steelers have two, two offensive tackles that have started every game for the last two years. No, no not every game. All but one of the, of, all but one game the last two years. That's what it was. And they played every snap except for one snap last year. So it's not that you don't have offensive tackles that aren't there that could that could go out there and give you adequate play. You want to you want to be like, man, this guy is just so great. We can't even think about not putting him out there because he might be our best guy on the offensive line. That's the ceiling. But it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Brian, do you agree with that ceiling? You have a different one. Yes, but I'm going to economize my my uh, quote here of what I'm going to say. He needs to be Marquise Pouncey. That is a different <laughs> position. I get it. But he needs to be that 15-year that guy or whatever we got from Marquise. I, I think it was like 10 years. But that doesn't matter. That's neither here nor there. What in, he needs to be is he needs to be the anchor. And I really think that he's got all the intangibles to be one. It's like Dave said, it's almost like it's undeniable. Whether you're there live, reporters, they all see it. And like, There's no way they can't have this guy on the field. Rookie or not, this is yeah. a day one starter. That's the ceiling. Um, what about the low end now? We did the top end. Let's see the low end now. Dave, what would that look like for Broderick Jones? Well, if you can't, if you're not here watching us live, it's this. Oh, it's yeah. it's that he's the tackle eligible for the whole year. That's that's the low end. I mean, and obviously we're not talking about the that word we don't want to say that starts with an I and ends with an injury. Uh, we we don't want to even talk about that. That that if he's there and he's healthy, but that's all the further he makes it. Now, if that's because what we talked about after the pick, because the other tackles are stepping up so well that he just can't get on the field. That's even a whole different story. If the other, if if Chooks or Dan Moore hold on to the start and Dan Moore hold on to the starting jobs, and they're struggling, and yet the Steelers can't put Broderick Jones out there, that's that's this that's somewhat of the floor to say that he's your tackle eligible guy. The even bigger floor is if they're not play, playing well and they put him out there, and then they have to go back to one of the other guys just because it's not good. What about you, Brian? You agree or disagree? I agree with Dave to an extent. What I think about when I think of what I'm worried about with Broderick Jones is this big program, big players there. 
maybe not ready for prime time. Maybe, maybe he was shielded. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's a possibility. Where I'm going to disagree with Dave just a tiny bit is I don't think he would be the tackle eligible because they don't need to play that game anymore with a guy like Darnell Washington. Mm, True. Which, would, uh, yeah. yeah, but I'm just saying relegated to the guy that the only time he gets on the field is if they're going jumbo or special yeah. teams. Yeah. yeah, or special teams. Yeah, but you don't have to go jumbo because yeah. mm-hmm. what did we always say? I, I love sitting next to Dave Schofield at a game when he's like, all right, here comes number 72. It's Zach Banner's in here. You know, it's a run and everybody knows it's a run and there's no mystery to it. My gosh, the Scooby-Doo gang has it figured out way before the Steelers do. You know, Wait, they, there was a thing to that. I, 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 here's some trivia for you. The only way you knew it was a pass is if they switched wide receivers. Who did they put out there and who did they replace them? Who was getting replaced and who did they put out there? Do you remember where they were? Well, Deontay Johnson probably came off the field. Nope. Well, yeah. So who, who was in that jumbo package, Brian? Who was the wide receiver when we were there that they ran all year? I'm going to be impressed. Uh, gosh. I was uh, Switzer. Johnny Holton. Ah, Johnny. Mm. Holton. Yeah. And if they yeah. took Johnny Holton off, that's, that's when they put him on the field. And if they took Holton off and put James Washington out there, it was going to be a pass. So, you know, that's really interesting <laughs> stuff. Now they don't have to do that because no. your tackle eligible is your tight end, your six, eight tight end. And he doesn't have to report with that. There's mystery back into it. Let's go to the second round. 32nd overall pick, Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. Uh, let's go to Dave. So what's your ceiling for JPJ? Got like broader. It's, it's going to be the same for all these guys. Um, well, it, it, it might come it down a little could. bit. I mean, there's going to be some players where I don't think the yeah. day one is an option, really. Yeah, that it's like, all right, got you know, he's the best guy. Got to put him out there. Everyone's healthy. Doesn't matter. He's the best option. He's got it all picked up. Uh, he understands everything. He, the, the learning curve is small, and and he's on the and he's the guy that's out there along with Patrick Peterson that doesn't leave the field. Brian, agree, disagree? Yeah, and I think the ceiling for JPJ this year is merely first or second team All Rookie Team. I think that's really, I I think he's going to ease into it. I don't think he's a superstar right away, but he's on everybody's list of guys to watch. I think that's what the ceiling is because they have the opportunity to ease him into it. Then on the other hand, uh, gosh, I'm I'm probably, uh, I'm probably jumping the gun. So I'm just going to shut up right now. Go ahead. No, you yeah, start. Other, go ahead and start. What you're doing is, is, is part of you just agreeing with me. So I'll I'll agree with you this time. You go ahead. The, the worry is that he's a legacy pick, and he was picked because of his name, and he was hyped because of his name, and the fact that even though he has a lot of the lot of uh, past breakups, that he's going to be a lot like his numbers' sake, and not pull in the interceptions like Ike Taylor, Uncle Ike. I'm sorry. So you bring up Ike Taylor, and Ike Taylor was not. He was not on the hands team. Let's put it that way. Yeah. On, on an onside. Well, team. we love him. We're not. Yeah, giving and him he back. was still a really good cornerback though. So I guess it comes down to, do you, to be a considered a, a top end corner, do you have to have, you know, those interception numbers? Joey Porter Jr. Will get his hands on the football, but th- that's just a question that every individual fan can answer on their own. Dave, what do you think? 
Well, he's just a player that goes for the breakup more than the interception. That's because of his length. So to me, his, I mean, you're asking the floor and ceiling. I'm just telling you absolute, absolute best, absolute worst. Um, and, and that is he, he go, he goes the first half of the season, the Akella Witherspoon route. He's only out there in certain situations. And when he is like his first real moment, he gives up a huge play and it just destroys the confidence. Henry Ruggs. So, yes. So that's, but I mean, that's, that's not where I think he's going to be, but I'm just saying if that happens, then, then, then you're almost, you're almost looking at year two before you get into it. Go ahead, Brian. You know, I just want to make one mention here. Let's go back to October and that that Dolphins game. Three dropped interceptions is a big deal. And look, I you know I love the fact that this guy has pass breakups. I love I'm I have an Ike Taylor jersey, and you know I don't have a lot of jerseys, but I love Ike, one of my all time favorite guys. And Ike Taylor, he uh, when it counted in the Super Bowl pulled in an interception. So I'm just bringing it up. A lot of people, it, it's kind of like like Dan Marino, one of the greatest of all time, but there's that big butt, but ever won a ring. And so there's a lot of guys, you've got to win that ring to get that Hall of Fame, blah, blah, blah. You're not going to be considered an elite corner if you don't have those picks on your stat sheet. Yeah, that's true. This is... This is where it gets a little difficult, and we're only we're only really gonna do rounds one through four, one through four here. So let's go with, uh, you know, Keanu Benton. So now we're talking about the the Steelers' second second round draft pick out of Wisconsin, defensive lineman. Dave, in terms of ceiling, this is one of the situations where when you look at the Steelers' roster, I'm, I'm not sure his ceiling in his rookie year would be, you know, oh my gosh, he's starting since day one. That might be a little much for me personally. What do you think? I think his ceiling is having is seeing him play across the defensive line, not just hey start off at nose tackle. It's easy, you know, get you playing time there, and then as you develop, um, slide you more into th- some defensive tackle role. If he's a guy that's basically bringing the same thing as Cam Hayward and, and Larry O out there. Um, and can and can play in in those spots this year. He doesn't have to play in those spots this year, but if he is, that's because he's he's really doing a great job. Brian, you agree? Yeah, Dave's absolutely correct. Look, the thing with Keanu Benton is the fact that all he needs to do to have the the ceiling really is being a starter at the end of the season. Does not have to be because of what you have on that defensive line and the guys you have there. If he is a starter by week four, I'm going to be disappointed, actually, because that means that, well, there's only one way I wouldn't be disappointed. He's that great that you can't keep him on the bench. But that's not likely to happen with with many players. You don't want to see him there too much early because you've got the Ogunjobi factor. You have got the other players out there that are manning the middle and of course Hayward. So you want to see a lot more out of them for a successful season and let this guy, he might be good as a red shirt too. just get seasoned and see more of that's the great thing about this draft. See more of him in season two, but by the end of the season, he could pull a Montrevious Adams 
and become the guy at the end. But the problem with that is Montrevious was like, we got to have somebody that's at least half decent. Yeah, I think for me, the high end is him being a rotational player along the defensive line. I mean, they trust him enough that, hey, Cam, Lario needs a break. Keanu Benton, get out there. If they trust him enough and not Isaiah Loudermilk, if he supersedes those players, I think that's really, really great for him as a rookie. The low end, I think we can all probably agree he's relegated to what? Special teams duties, not really seeing the field too much. You, or Dave, you think he's inactive? Inactive. That's the low end. Not that I think it'll happen. Right. But I'm that's just the saying. Yeah. But that's that's not an uncommon thing for Steelers um with with Kendrick. um yeah with no with on on with with defensive linemen but i my problem is i keep thinking of him as a third round pick i keep thinking of him as a third he's round pick because he was third pick, pick but not the but third he's a second round pick. pick so i don't think i don't think they would have him inactive um but they got a lot of bodies on the defensive lines drew brian you agree yes all right very good let's go to the third round pick at not pick 80, pick 93, Darnell Washington, tight end out of Georgia, the mammoth of a man, Mount Washington, as they're calling him. Dave, what's the high end here? This is interesting with Pat Fryermuth in the mix and what we think his maximum potential could be as a rookie. Oh, his his, his high end? I, I think he has the most potential to have the biggest high end of them all as a rookie. Um, it's, but it's, I I think it's the, the, he's also got the broadest spectrum. So I I think his high end is not only is he out there a lot in blocking situations, but that he's utilized so much more as a pass catcher than he ever was in college. Okay. I like it. Brian, what do you think? The high end is what the Steelers make him because Dave just said it, that he was not that much of an option only catching 45 or so balls his entire career but everybody knows he could do it he made an odell beckham type catch at the combine this is a guy that could be martavis bryant better than martavis bryant because martavis bryant didn't start until his i'm talking rookie season martavis bryant i'm not talking yeah he was an act of the first six games but he could he could be active from the start but when he uh, when he catches his first touchdown pass, and when Martavis Bryant caught his first touchdown pass, everybody knew that there was something special, and the Steelers were elevated because of it. Because that rookie season, it, it was like watching a guy come in that you did not expect, but just went off, and he's just an instant celebrity in Steel Town. And I really think right now they're giving him nicknames. He's Mount Washington. Everybody wanted him to be Agent Zero. Which, uh, which he didn't get because of what the Steelers do, because they're more traditional in that, and they didn't they didn't bend towards him on that. But he's fine. He asked for it and didn't get it. He's not going to pout. This guy has, from what I understand, a very good head on his shoulders. He uh, the knees are supposed to not be a problem, and with that, he might be the best find that the Steelers had. He's uh, when they talk value picks and we have all this jargon that we didn't have five years ago, but now that he's the value pick, he's a guy that people are going to expect a lot out of, but he can match it. I think for me, if if I'm being trying to be realistic with my own expectations and the seal in this, the upper end of it, if he's a, you know, Dave's head tackle eligible kind of guy where he comes in and jumbo sets. He does a great job blocking and is a really good red zone target for the Steelers. 
I'm, I'm happy. Anything better than that is gravy in his rookie year. Because with Pat Fryermuth, you're not going to expect him to be out there all the time. Um, I'm not sure if Zach Gentry's job is safe now, but that's not the discussion that we're having here. So what is the low end here, Dave? What do you think? If we went over the high end, what's the low end? CA3. Oh, just injured? Injured reserve? Okay. Brian? Low end is he just doesn't match the hype, and he doesn't translate like everybody thinks he's going to translate to the pros. Dave, you might you might be able to say, to keep it a little bit more relative, you could say Ladarius Green. Ladarius Green just, came back and played a couple – even had a touchdown there, didn't he? Well, yeah. 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 So I'm, well, I'm just saying – great game against Cincinnati, and then he got concussed in that game. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying if something happens where then, you know, that was why he dropped, although I'm, I'm, I'm not buying that – that uh, that really was the issue. Um, as uh, Jim Wexel talked about on the Steel City Insider on our on the Steel Curtain Network on Wednesday, that uh, that he was he was a blocking tight end that didn't have a lot of production. That's why he dropped. Um, whether it was really the medicals or not, but let's say it is a medical thing, and they're like, you know what, we need to we need to put him on the shelf for a year to see if he can come back next year, and. That that would that to me that's the seal or the seal the floor, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, chances are you could get that out of one of the draft picks this year. So. Little tease, check out. Let's ride inside information <laughs> about the medicals. Anyways, yep. um, mm-hmm. I I'm not lo- I'm not lying here. Okay, oh, he's uh, not. No. He is not. <laughs> uh, Brian, go ahead. What do you think about the floor? It's the same thing. I I just mentioned that he doesn't match the hype, and mm. and that's the thing. And they yeah. just don't use him the way they could use him. And because look in Georgia, they had so many weapons. They won the national championship two years in a row. He was uh, considered a backup tight end. I guess he was a uh, second tight end. That doesn't mean anything. You've you've seen running backs that were the second option come in, or a guy like Willie Parker that was like the third or fourth option his senior year and come in and be a superstar in on the professional level. So there's so many things that could happen there, but it's really the thing. I think I agree with injury thing with Dave, but really for me, it's that he just doesn't match that hype that everybody built him up to be. And maybe he is just a second tier tight end. I doubt it. And I I just want to caution everybody because of my Joey Porter jr. Comments and everything that got turned into the live chat is like, oh, well, he's not this. You got to understand this. No, remember, we are doing the floor and ceiling here. So this is this is best and worst case scenario. Exactly. And it's just their rookie season. So let's go to the last one we're going to cover here for realistic expectations. Fourth round draft pick. Everyone saw this coming. Nick, not Nate, Herbig, linebacker, Wisconsin. Everyone's debating, is he inside? Is he outside? Is he hybrid? Well, they sent the outside linebackers coach out there in the press post-pick press conference, so that tells you they're going to at least try him there. It's a tough one for me to try and give realistic expectations for Nick Herbig. Dave, why don't you start us off? Yeah, the ceiling, he's the third guy in the rotation, and they work him on both sides, and they only have to have a three-man rotation. Yeah. Brian? The ceiling is exactly what Dave said, that he's that guy also on special teams, too. He becomes he builds himself up to be a captain on special teams, and he matches his enthusiasm with his play on the field. 
I, I would agree with that. Uh, but the, when you talking about the floor, uh, Dave, where are you going with that? Um, <laughs> that they try to possible. turn him into a fullback. Oh, okay. We're going that way. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I mean, just you know what I'm referencing. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I had that. I yeah. had that on my list. Sutton yeah. Smith. Yeah, I knew exactly where you were going to go with. It. I I thought mm-hmm. I was going to. If I went first, I'm going to say I'm stealing this from Dave because I know where Dave's going on this. <laughs> you know, Sutton Smith. Look, guy had a lot of a lot of sacks, just like Nate Herbig did at Wisconsin. But here's the thing: there's some really good things to get excited about with this guy Nate Herbig. The fact that he's not only coming to a team with his brother on it. He's coming to a team with his best friend in the world who is uh, who was just picked a uh, two rounds ahead of him, and that is Keanu Benton. They are, they are best buddies. They hang out all the time. In fact, I because of listening to Wexel the other day, the fact that Benton's this big fisherman and everything, and that just tells you a lot. It gets you excited about both of these guys hanging out. Um, just like you know, Kenny Pickett at the Ke- Kenny Chesney concerts and all of that, you you those guys get a bond or like Fryermuth and, and Gentry. That's a big deal. The fact that he's playing with a, his brother is a big deal. We just don't know if he translates, if he is a Sutton Smith or if he's a TJ Watt. TJ he also has TJ Watt, who's an alum who went and counseled him. His senior year, I I think his last season, and counseled him how to get to the quarterback. That goes a long way here too. Biggest wild card in this draft for me is Nate Herbig. <clears throat> Nick. So are you doing it on purpose now? Listen, <laughs> you did it okay. four times there. <laughs> he seems like a Nate. The other one seems like a Nick. Man, hey, I can't say you know much. What? I had to read. I I got halfway through a breaking news podcast and had to start over because I kept calling him the wrong name. Okay, I tell so, you what. Yeah. The Herbig parents, that's not fair to me. You yeah. screwed me when you did that. You just didn't know you did it. Don't do that. Alliteration. <laughs> stop the alliteration with names. I did the same thing with my kids, and I can't get the, I can't keep them straight either. You mean like JJ and TJ and DJ? <laughs> Well, Full House ruined that whole DJ thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah stop the alliteration. Yeah. <laughs> we don't, we don't have to yeah. have it, have it like that. Yeah, uh, that just screws things. My gosh, my my grandmother called me Anthony <sighs> because that was my uh, my uncle's name and my grandfather. I got the middle name. I was Anthony for years. My mother calls me Noah now, which is my my nephew. You know they. They screw that up, and it's not even alliteration. But alliteration is going to kill me. I'm going to keep doing it. So, you know what? I'm not even going to think about it. And yes, Steelers King says you're all going to give Brian a brain aneurysm. It's coming. <laughs> it no, might Brian, be live. Brian's hey, going to give himself okay. a brain aneurysm, not us. Let's make that very clear. Go ahead, David. <laughs> oh no, I was just going to say if people didn't mess up names. I don't know what my name would be. The whole reason my parents picked my name is because my father's mother couldn't remember my father's name, and he uh, and and the the names that she went through to get there first was his brother, and then it was her husband. You know, my my dad's dad, and that's what they decided to how they decided to pick my name is because my grandmother could never remember my father's name which is funny because it's brian um and and he was when when she would get it wrong they, they liked the combination and that's what they named me 
There you go. You learned a little <laughs> something about Dave Schofield today. Hey, um, Jeff Harper was in the Washington Post because he's watched Star Wars. <laughs> Damn straight. That's on my Twitter bio now, quoted in the Washington Post. <laughs> and Brian Anthony yes. Davis died on the air. <laughs> and what? Died on the air. <laughs> Brian died on the air, but hey. But at least he played with it, it. But at least he played yeah. with his wiener beforehand. <laughs> and if you're gonna do it, do it epic and go viral. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, good show so far. Uh, let's finish it off with some trivia. I know Dave, you have some, but Brian, do you have any trivia? No. All right. Good stuff. <laughs> Dave, go ahead. Trivia. Fire That's away. the best color man of the game for none. Um, this trivia goes right along with the topic, and I came up with it before Jeff even decided the topic because I kind of based it off my my stat geek. I almost broke into the trivia partway through the show and said, "Let's just do it now because it's it's relevant." But it's once again, people are like, "Oh, why why are they so against the the rookies playing?" It's not that we're against the rookies playing, but a rookies pl- having to play a lot of your your rookies having to play is that really good? Does that what does that say about your team? The Pittsburgh Steelers are six-time Super Bowl champions. Six times. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. In those six seasons combined, how many rookies started at least half the games or more during the regular season in those six Super Bowl seasons? An average of four. Saying a total of four or an average of four? An average of four. So you're saying 24. Yeah, let's go with 24. Oh, that's a little high. One one dollar. <laughs> average of two. Let me change that. 12. <laughs> Can you say 12? Yes. Jeff? I already said one dollar. For those who don't know. We're playing prices right rules, so that's why. Go ahead. Yeah, so then that's why because because Jeff wants to win. Yes. The answer is three. Wow. Three wow. total. Are you ready for them? Nineteen seventy. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. All right. Let us give you them. Okay. Is one of them Heath Miller? One of them is Heath Miller. In that, was, that was my. That was mine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> was is that with. the only one from the the modern era? Uh, correct, because there was none in 2008. Yeah. They almost snuck in because, like Darnell Stapleton, it was his mm-hmm. first official year, but he was an undrafted free agent the year before, He's and he was on the 53. He was just inactive all year. So they count 2008 as his rookie year, but he was on the team in 2007. Mm-hmm. I filter those guys out. They had to come right, out, right from the draft or undrafted free agents. Got so it. there's one, Heath Miller. I'm going to go Brian crazy Ian. one here. Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson, 1978. Nice, Brian. And the other one you guys already know because we already talked about. Jack, Han- Jack, Jack Lambert. Lambert. Jack Lambert. Lambert. Yeah. So in 74 was Lambert. 75, none. 78, Ron Johnson. 79, none. 2005, Miller. 2008, none. Yeah. Three total rookies who started for the season on, on the Super Bowl teams. I'm also breaking it down as to how did the Steelers do when they had to start a lot of rookies? It's generally not good. It's generally not because if you're starting a lot of rookies, it means that you lost a lot of pieces or had a lot of pieces that weren't worth getting the rookies out there early and you didn't have that solid team. 
So I love the rookies, but the rookies aren't really to build your team this year. Your book, your rookies are there to get the experience this year to really start building it in the future. Very good. Good trivia. Good like that. Brian, love why don't you give us some final thoughts? All right. So over the last week, I have uh, I have been pigeonholed now as being a lover of Omar Khan, which it's true. I love this guy a lot. Arby's. So if you had a chance, <laughs> that's what I'm going to bring up now. If you had a chance to listen to Let's Ride yesterday, not only was it a fantastic show, but it was a tremendous show because one of the uh, mailbag participants brought my name up into it. So that's always an instant ratings. Do you win. remember which member of the Ride or Die crew it was? By was chance? it Brian? Was it Brian was it Haynes? Haynes? Captain it Underpants? Haynes. I don't know. Well, he has like eight on there. I mean, he, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of people that ask a lot of questions. There's a lot of good thing. This isn't the, the old time days when you have to you know put it in on a postcard. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, so I, I have been a lover of Omar Khan for the for a while since really since he pulled off that Chase Claypool trade and everything. But here's one more thing that he did. He kind of. He kind of egged on division rivals. And I love what he did. And I love how he got Bill Belichick involved and the New York Jets. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. And at this point, Omar Khan made Double B, the hoodie, his friend. And he helped egg things on because Bill Belichick said, you know, they, they could have gotten a higher pick. They could have got a third round pick. But just to screw with the Jets, Bill Belichick was answering Omar Khan's call. And I would have loved to, heard, to have heard Omar Khan on the other end saying, hey, Bill, wouldn't you like to just take something away from the Jets? <laughs> and I have a feeling that uh, Bill was like, all right, I'm all in. So that's my first part of this. My second part is I want to talk about something very special that happened to me this week. And it involves the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I called Jeff and Dave right away. They're the first two people besides my family because my family showed it to me. I called them right away. So about 12 years ago, I decided that I was going to go ahead and send 8 by 10s to players, retired and um, in stadium. And I would send all these out. And I sent a bunch out. I would give them a Sharpie, a self-addressed envelope, the stamps, everything. I would even put cardboard. I would even put plastic in there. I'd put do not bend. And I would put my address label on the end. And about five, six years ago, about six years later, I was like, wow, I just got, I just got Josh Miller. And I thought that was pretty awesome. Now I've gotten some great ones over the years, like Heinz Ward, Ben Tomlin. Actually, if you send one to Tomlin, they come in quick. So I've gotten so many players, Donnie shell. I could go on and on and on and on, but I kind of forgot all about it. During the draft the other day, on Saturday of the draft, I saw the mailman come up, and I said, wouldn't it be funny if just someone was lagging behind and there was an orange 8 by 10 envelope? And there wasn't. I walk in Monday, and my daughter's all smiles, and my wife says, we have something for you. And she's holding an orange envelope. And she hands it to me. I'm like, Wow, I was just thinking about this on Saturday. How cool this would be. That's crazy. And I look at where I always have my address label. There's another address label. And I was like, oh my God. 
Mr. and Mrs. Franco Harris. I opened it up and I know Franco's signature real well. And that was Franco's signature. My guess is that they were cleaning out Franco's office and they found it and this was done and they, they sent these out. It was postmarked April 27th. So you know, it was just sent out. And when I thought about all the tributes that we gave him back in December of what kind of fan guy he was, what kind of, what kind of uh, humanitarian it was and everything, he never forgot who he was. And in death, his legacy continues. I got that envelope and I was convinced of it. And everything I was saying back in December is tenfold. My gosh, God bless you, Franco. Four months later, still miss you. But that was a gift that I will never forget in an experience. If I would have gotten it before he passed away, it would have been cool. But the fact that I got it now just means so much more. Good final thoughts there, Brian. Dave, good luck following that. Go ahead. Yeah, that's a tough one to follow. I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave it at that, other than saying I'm really looking forward to next week's show because yeah, it's right. another milestone of the season. So uh, make sure you're here for that because it's 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 scheduled to be uh the release of the NFL schedule. Yeah, schedule release. It always seems to fall on a Thursday. We always seem to do our Way too early predictions. I don't know. Maybe I'll do them honest this year instead of just my 17 and 0. Like last year was the only year you didn't do it honest. Yeah. The year true. before you did it honest. I don't know. He we'll he's it. still very lenient. <laughs> very optimistic. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Dave, why don't you uh, send us out? Hey. We'll see you next week for another Steelers preview. Everybody else gets a little tight.